You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to episode 348 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, May 8th, and I am joined, as often, by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Bradford, I have missed you, and I'm ready to talk about some baseball. Uh, on one has been a pretty good week for the Braves, so, you know, it's nice to actually get to talk about baseball without lamenting how bad things have gone. <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, you know, this is the time of the podcast where we often do, like, a big news catch-up, and there really wasn't a ton of news, but it is noteworthy that the Braves did not lose more games than they won this week. That's a positive. They went 4-3. and three. Um, Obviously, a small sample size, but if you go 4-3 and three every week, you win 93 games, and I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> That's the yeah, pace that'd, that that'd be pretty good. That'd be pretty good. Yep. That'd be good. Uh, so, I mean, we'll get into all the game stuff. Clearly, uh, the 4-3 week is what it is. They split with the Mets after one hideous day that we'll come back to on Tuesday, and then they ended up – um, losing on Friday, but then winning the last two games against against Milwaukee in a fairly solid fashion. And uh, we'll touch on some of the highlights on this podcast as well. I do want to go ahead at the top of the show and uh, plug our podcast network on the whole. I know we have listeners that like uh, the I guess are familiar with the big show that we're currently on, the flagship podcast. But there are two more two more podcasts on this podcast feed. One of which is hosted by you, uh, the Road to Atlanta podcast, covering the minor yes. league side of things. Uh, that's definitely going to be uh, something to keep an eye on, and always uh, is entertaining for me, and also informative for me as someone who's not followed the minor leagues all that closely, as I always admit on this show. And then also we have the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman. Uh, Sean is doing great work, like five days a week on that show, giving you the bite-sized uh, catch-up on the Atlanta Braves. And I have to say this now. Uh, Scott's not here, but uh, both Scott Coleman and Sean Coleman, who are not related, but might as well be brothers at this point, were featured on an MLB Network video on voiceover. Did you hear this, Eric? Yeah, I, I did hear this. I, I, I will say that neither you nor I were on this, and I'm, all, True. I'm not salty about it. <laughs> uh, I'm more, uh, uh, but I did, I did give Scott hell about it. It's and honest, you know, first and foremost, to like that video was a relatively like important feature, and to have the lead, like the first audio of that being Scott's voice one made me die hysterically laughing yes. and two was a it was a, was a big honor uh and I'm you know I'm thrilled that it happened Sean and Scott are great and I, I just I, I just remembered recording that podcast with Scott and it was just wild to hear that happen you know coming out over you know MLB it was just wild yeah, I automatically made the joke that I uh, was not on that show um, as the primary, or I guess the the usual host. I was not on that podcast, and it's not a coincidence to me, Eric, that you and Scott, uh, that show made the made the airwaves, and I wasn't there. So th- there you go. Well I, well, I mean, I was on it, so I mean, like, I don't know what that means. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got a text from Scott today uh, in which he referred to himself as MLB Network correspondent Scott Coleman. So, oh, absolutely, yeah, MLB, uh, ESPN Insider, yeah, for sure. And uh, also, uh, I will just say, uh, Sean has, of course, an, uh, an unmistakable voice. 
So as soon as it was Sean, I was like, nope, that's Sean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knows what Sean the, like. the, do you do you remember the presser he did uh for uh basketball coverage? Yeah, and he got he got he got the oh. national he got the national rounds on the on wait, Sean covers the Grizzlies fantastically and uh, got the national rounds with Steven Adams kind of uh enjoyed his voice on a Zoom call, which was fun. Uh, yeah, he has a fantastic accent. Great he really podcast does. voice. So yeah. uh yeah, anyway, I, I had to say that out loud at the top of the show, but uh please subscribe to this podcast network. We really enjoy talking about baseball on this show and that leave five star feedback, all that stuff across the platforms. And thank you for listening as always. Okay. Before we get into the game stuff, uh, I have one bit of news, and then also I want to ask you for our uh, semi-frequent Eric Cole minor league catch-up. But uh, sort of on that line, not necessarily minor league, but uh, your guy, Mike Soroka, was the only piece yes, of news I could find yes, this week. Adult son. Uh, he is progressing. He's throwing off the mound and starting to do some defensive work, apparently, uh, hoping to go to Florida soon to face some live hitters, according to reports. And uh, per Mark Bowman, he is, quote, hopeful Soroka could return at some point after the All-Star break. Obviously, that is relatively vague, but every once in a while, we'll get a question or we'll get somebody referencing Soroka, et cetera. So, like, we, I'm not ignoring him necessarily. He's just kind of been off the radar for me right now because he's not necessarily close. But when I saw this news and I knew I was going to talk to you this week, I had to bring it up. So Soroka's getting closer. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a weird thing for me to follow along with. And I think you can probably attest to this too, because when we talk about injuries, we have kind of a general understanding of, you know, what's good news and bad news and, you know, how what timelines should look like. And in Soroka's case, just two Achilles injuries that close together. I mean, he hadn't even fully rehabbed the first one and to, the, to blow it out again. Uh, and again, there's a lot of weirdness with that, where it's like his body had rejected the stitches from the first one. So there's no, it's an open question as to whether or not he ever really healed properly, just because again, it's just, it's a, it's a weird, it's, it was a weird situation to begin with. I don't really know what to think about what, what, when we should reasonably expect to him. I want them to be super careful with him just because again, I mean, Achilles injuries, you, you only have so much tendon to work with. And once you get into the second repair of something like that, you, you start just, just getting a little bit worried and you want to make sure, you know, he's fully stretched out that he's, you know, everything is completely good to go. I'm really obviously happy that he's, you know, in the mix because the Braves have certainly had some issues back into their rotation at times uh, so far this year. And, you know, to bring a guy like that who like has one gotten Cy Young votes and is very highly thought of by a lot of people when he's healthy, you know, to have that sort of guy, you know, come and join your team, that's a big deal. But at the same time, you want to make sure that he can continue his career, frankly, because I mean, I don't know about you, but if another Achilles injury, I have a, I, I personally would have a tough time thinking you could come back from that. Oh yeah. If I'm just being sure. honest, you know, yeah, at all. And so you just want to make sure that, you know, he's completely healthy and, you know, again, I just hope they take their time with him. There's not, I don't think there's a, like a crazy rush. It's not like the Braves are in a situation where they, don't, they literally just don't have any starters. So, you know, just take their time with them, make sure that everything's good to go. And hopefully that repair holds up. Yeah. And uh, I would stress, I know we've said before, as much as you love Mike, uh, keeping expectations low for this year in particular yep. is a good yep. idea. I think that the Braves probably know that too. Um, and I, I agree with what you said on the expectations level, just kind of not having, not having to use him, but I mean, just generally speaking, he's been gone for so long that you just don't know what you're going to get, especially this year. I, I think the, my, in my mind, the best case scenario real, realistically is like he gets on the field this year, can get his legs under him a little bit. And then 2023, you're hoping he's back to being something like his old self. That, that that's, that's the hope in my mind, another full off season to kind of ramp up and be good and all that stuff but we'll see uh, I thought that was a at least noteworthy uh, encouraging kind of report there from Bowman 
on Mike Soroka, who obviously Eric uh, loves more than anything in the world other than, yes, other than his indeed, family. It's like indeed, it's like yeah. it's like Eric family and uh, and then like, and then Mike Soroka, I think so. And it's a look it's a little, it's probably a little closer than it should be, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of that, uh, Eric. Uh, anything that people that are more casual observers of the minor league system should be knowing right now, obviously Michael Harris has been drawing a lot of headlines, even nationally for how good he has been in the early going, but uh, regale us with some uh, minor league content here to uh, tease people for Atlanta. So obviously if you want to just get caught up on the minor leagues without having to devote a ton of time, you know, digging into box scores or even reading all the recaps that we do at batterypower.com. Uh, just if you listen to the road to Atlanta podcast, which comes out, it'll go into feeds Monday nights and then it'll be, you'll, we'll have a post about it on Tuesday mornings. Uh, that way you, if you won't ever miss it, it's about generally we try to aim for 40 or 50 minutes and it'll get you kind of all caught up. So that's the easiest way to get caught up on everything. But the big news is that the Mississippi Braves have played 27 games and Michael Harris has reached base in all of them. Is it and good? he's, yeah, it seems pretty good. Uh, I think he's not hit in three games. Uh, the rest he's hit safely in. Uh, and it was like a three game stretch where he like had only walked or got hit by, you know, or whatever. But other than that, he has like two long hit hitting streaks this year, uh, working the ball the other way. He's been really, really good. We're already seeing promotions happening. Uh, Roy Salinas was leading the, all the minor leagues in strikeouts uh, and got promoted to high A where he debuted yesterday and promptly did exceedingly poorly, but it was that seemed more of just like a bad inning. Just didn't really have his feet under him. I'm not super worried, but he's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, it's in, you know, Drew Waters is back and, you know, he, I think he's mostly healthy. They seem to be kind of taking it back, taking it slow, getting him back under his feet under him, but he had the walk-off hit today. So, you know, some big names are doing good things. We have some new names that are really getting our attention, uh, like Roy Bersalinas, like Randall Mesquita, guys like that who, you know, again, we always like to find new names to talk about and we always make sure we keep an eye on the names that we get asked a lot about. So if you want to make sure you don't ever miss any information about those guys, make sure you keep an eye out on the site and make sure you don't miss the podcast uh, for Road to Atlanta. Strong plug work by you on the, on that segment, Eric. Yeah, I, 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 I do what I can. I do what I can. <laughs> All right, let's talk some baseball. Um, clearly, there was uh, some headline making early in the week with the four-gamer against the Mets across three days. The Braves end up splitting the series, which is not a terrible result. In fact, it was the first series all year that the Mets did not win outright, which is kind of telling you how well the Mets are playing. They've been playing very well so far this yep. season, unfortunately, yep. for the Braves. Um, but uh, basically, it was a tale of uh, two pretty good days, Monday and Wednesday, and then a nightmare day in the middle on Tuesday, once they got swept in a doubleheader, scoring only four runs total. Um, let's start with the positive first on the, uh, on the two wins. Uh, Monday, Ronald Acuna, uh, this, I mean, maybe, maybe this isn't positive, but Ronald Acuna had a swing on Monday that was by StatCast a 1,000, not exaggerating, a 1,000 expected batting average, and it was an out. Eric, uh, that's a first, I think, maybe ever in my mind. And also, this is, the, uh, this is from StatCast, the first swing in baseball this year that had more than a 99.1% hit probability that became an out. Um, maybe a microcosm of the season. Obviously, the Braves won that game, so it doesn't feel quite as uh, quite as painful. But uh, a lot of the stories we'll come back to later on in the show has been how the Braves have been pretty unlucky at the plate this year, and uh, it doesn't get more unlucky than that, I guess. Yeah, and I haven't gone back and actually looked at what the the numbers are, but there's been at least I would say six batted balls against the Braves this year that had expecting batter averages of .050 or less <laughs> that have gone gone down as hits for against the Braves. Uh, I think a couple of those were in the Mets series. Jankowski uh, being a pretty peak uh, offender in that regard is like weak ground balls that just happened to find, you know, 
find the perfect area of, of grass or, you know, the Braves are playing a certain way against them. The, the biggest thing I took away from that game is that Ronnie looked dialed in. Cause I mean, when you look at a ball, people were arguing about this on Twitter and I don't think they understand how math works. They're like, there's no way it could be a hundred, a thousand percent batting expected batting average because it wasn't out. The idea is that there has not been a batted ball with that profile that has led to an out. Period. So it's, it's also rounding. Uh, <laughs> clearly, it's not, it's not yeah. actually 1,000. It's a rounding error of some kind. But still, like, it's, uh, it tells, and, and it tells it's, a story. It just hasn't happened, you know? And it's, it's, it's wild to me that people were like, you know, like, they didn't think it was that big a deal. But he, but that he was that on time against a, a team that's playing well, played well against them, didn't seem like he was super – I wouldn't say super rusty at the plate. Uh, definitely – in Monday and Tuesday, we had some uh, interesting umpiring Uh-oh. happening Here um, we go. with, with uh, some zones that I would say were generous. And... I'm, I'm pretty sure Eric blacked out on Tuesday oh. during the last Diaz performance because I got multiple messages from Eric. Uh, it was obviously during it was during the day because it was it was the uh, doubleheader. Um, but I'm fairly sure Eric had to be restrained or something like it was. Uh, I think you had a blackout moment at one point on Tuesday. OK, we're doing this now. So. <laughs> so Jeff Passan put out an article a few days. Uh, it was last, it was late last week where he asked about how Angel Hernandez could be have gotten a grade according to Joe West of a ninety six percent from the league, whereas basically everyone else said his strike zone was like eighty percent, like genuinely awful. And as he found out that the umpires had collectively bargained a two inch buffer zone around the strike zone to where if they hit in that general strike zone that they would that it was still considered good enough and that wouldn't they wouldn't count against them in their grading like that is something that's collectively bargained well by and, the, two, and two by inches is like that's a lot compared to the play that's, that's a, a lot big window that's, that's almost a full baseball <laughs> and i still think that even if i gave the benefit of the doubt of that buffer zone that Laz ds is genuinely terrible at his job <laughs> there was not a ball in the strike zone in a four pitch at bat to Marcelo Zuna, and it was called strike three. All of them, all like it was like a swinging strike, two called strikes, and a foul ball. And I was livid. He was genuinely awful, and it wasn't consistent. It was, I wouldn't even say it was even like team leaning one way or the other, but it was like inning to inning. It just felt like he was like changing whatever contacts he had in, trying to figure out exactly where the ball was. And it's very <laughs> frustrating for anyone that's observing these games when, look, there are close calls and people can disagree. Like, you know, like if it was me, I wouldn't have called that pitch right, like right at his knee there or like right on the corner. Like there's, it's, it's hard to, especially with the, the zone on TV is not always perfect. I completely understand. I do close calls. I generally don't get upset about, but when there's like these calls are just not even close. And we, it seems like we're getting more of them and more of them. We, we've, we've had more advanced data available to us for like the past several years now. And for those of us who have been watching fairly closely over time. It just feels like more and more that umpires are making these far more questionable calls. And we're seeing more and more of like umpires inserting themselves into the game was unnecessarily. And I think that's like, I don't know what to attribute that to, but I do know that whatever grading is being done and accountability that is being placed on umpires is not working. I think that there's guys actively getting worse. I think there's guys, I think there's umpires that are being more confrontational and more willing to insert themselves into the game. Like if a guy, you know, just like, 
rolls his eyes at a pitch. All of a sudden, it's two innings of bad calls against their team. And there's no accountability for it because there's this two-inch buffer zone. And it drives me crazy because ultimately, we all know that one of the things that baseball is hurtling towards is this automated strike zone. Oh, yeah. And the people who are talking about this, you know, that we need the human element and being able to pitch with a, the, with a certain umpire in mind is somehow a desirable outcome when these human beings that we are trying to pitch to and, and trying to include in the part of the game are actively trying to be bad at their jobs to prove points to people. It drives me crazy. And that, I'm done. But yeah, it was bad. So yeah, people, people can sort of hear in your, in your voice there what you were thinking on Tuesday. Oh um, my God, it was bad. Well, it was, and listen, we're, we're not ever saying, uh, at least since Eric Gregg, I've not said that, like, that was the only reason why, the, why they lost a baseball game. Like, it's not, it's not even about that. I know it's going to be seen as that way because Braves lost those games on Tuesday, but, like, you know, I agree with you. Uh, very, very rarely do I think that uh, a, an umpire at, at, at home plate, like, changes the outcome of a game. Like, at least, at least definitively. You could say that it impacts things for sure. Um, but still, it's uh, it can be a factor. It can be something that is uh, maddening to consume and kind of inexcusable to consume, which I think Laz Diaz kind of crossed the threshold a little bit on Tuesday about being uh, pretty bad and pretty impactful. So, yes. Um, other than that, Tuesday was a bad day overall because the Braves scored four runs and three of them came on one swing. Uh, Matt Olson had a three-run home run in the fifth inning of game one. And by the way, that was the top of the fifth and nobody scored after that in game one uh, on either side, which became a loss, of course. And the Braves got shut out 3-0 in game two, um, wasting a Kyle Wright performance that wasn't, like, incredible. It was, it was Wright's worst start of the season. But um, let's just say six weeks ago, if you said that was his worst start of the season, we would have been overjoyed by that because he was still pretty decent in, uh, in that game on Tuesday. Yep. But the offense was not just obviously just gave him nothing at all. So that kind of felt dire. Um, fortunately, they came back and scored nine runs on Wednesday. But a kind of a strange way, they were scoreless through five innings on Wednesday. And then scored seven runs in the sixth. Adam Duvall with a big swing. He had a couple of big swings this week, actually. And then kind of a weird Ian Anderson game that I want you to comment on if you have any thoughts. Like, Anderson, if you just look at the scoreboard, uh, did not only allow one run, actually, in, in five and third innings. But uh, I'm not sure he was actually good on Wednesday. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what you thought, but he, he allowed nine base runners in five and a third, which is pretty bad, and had one strikeout in five and a third. Those are not numbers that you want to see. Obviously, it worked. But uh, it's important that we always kind of look at beyond the uh, earn run column. And I, I don't think he was fantastic, but it didn't matter necessarily. Yeah, I think that Morton and Anderson have, a, I mean, they're obviously very different pitchers, right? But they're, they have a so, sort of similar problem is that when they were getting whiffs last, this, like last year, they're getting fouled off or the ball is getting put in play. And, you know, when you're not, and, and more importantly, guys are not chasing the stuff, the, the breaking stuff, the harder stuff that's being thrown out of the zone. And when both of those things are true, it makes your profile really difficult, particularly in Major League Baseball these days. You need to be able to miss bats to shorten innings. Um, we've seen lots of at-bats with Morton and lots of at-bats with Anderson where, you know, they get them to two strikes, then they just foul off a bunch of pitches or they, they're, they're missing because they're thinking that they can get guys to chase. And I don't know exactly what to attribute that to. There's certainly some tinfoil hat conspiracy type stuff about <laughs> whether or not the, whether or not the new baseball uh, is, is impacting things. I will say this. I tweeted to uh, David Adler, who works for uh, MLB Advanced Media and does their stat cast, uh, is one of their stat cast guys. He's great. And I asked, yeah, he's fantastic Twitter follow, by the way. Uh, underscore D Adler is who, is who you should be following. Um, but I asked if Morton's spin rate was any different on his breaking ball. And he said, no, the, the, the 
the spin rate is exactly the same, but his average break is two inches less. And that's a big deal. That's a big. Right? That, that, and by the way, go that, back to that, what we said before. Two inches is a big, is a big deal on a pitch. Yeah, yes. Yeah. In, you know, half inches make big, big differences in, in, in the big leagues. And the difference between a curveball diving out of the zone and getting a swing and a miss versus lingering in the zone and either getting tattooed or getting fouled off or whatever, you know, a ball getting put in back in play, kind of opening yourself up to having more batted ball luck problems and things like that. All these things matter. Uh, I don't know those exact numbers on Anderson, but to the eye test, it just feels like you maybe the change isn't fading quite as much. The breaking ball isn't quite, he doesn't, certainly doesn't have the fastball command that he had last year. Uh, well, at least for most of the time, we've certainly seen Ian Anderson have times where he just can't command his pitches. That happens, especially with young guys, but it just does not feel like that they are very comfortable up there. Um, they, and you know, the way Morton is kind of characterized is that he's kind of at a loss because he knows, you know, that he's, you know, he, he's not getting those whiffs and he's not getting those chases. He understands that, but he's not really sure what he needs to be doing to fix it because he doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a feel thing. He doesn't see anything mechanically going on. And that makes things troublesome for guys. You know, again, one knock that was on Ian Anderson was that he was not a huge spin rate guy, yeah. you know? So what movement, what movement he got, he needed. And if the ball's flying differently, you know, he's going to have to figure out exactly to get, to do what he needs to do to get things out. So you're right. It was a weird game. Uh, a lot of ground balls, a lot of balls getting put in, put in play defense, doing making plays behind them. Uh, you know, certainly some, you know, some free passes, things like that. The command wasn't there perfectly, but you kind of, while you're figuring things out in the weird situations like this, I was happy to see that he kind of battled through it and, you know, got into the sixth inning at the very least. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, he had, they had a benefit of, you know, once the Braves kind of scored a bunch of runs, they didn't really feel like they had to force anything. So. Yeah. The Braves hadn't scored a run and I'm trying to do the math. at the top of my head. Now I believe it was something like 18 innings without a run between game one on Tuesday and when they finally scored in the sixth and they scored seven runs. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, was a, it was a dire 36 hours, especially for someone who decided to doing a, a Twitter bingo game. Uh, where people were just started getting real, real cranky. Uh, well, by, by the way, but before before we get to uh, the break, um, explain this because you have uh, you've broken out this uh, this Braves Twitter uh, per game bingo situation. I am not privy. You know, we've not talked about this. So I've been following on on your, on your Twitter feed, but uh, please share what you've been doing on bingo. And people seem to, seem to be enjoying it, aside from when they uh, when they lose, which is never fun. But uh, what's going on with bingo when you're sharing that? So there's always been like the running joke, like, you know, like the Luke Jackson experience, the, you know, Luke Jackson experience, the William, the Will Smith experience, you know, like all the things that kind of happen in those innings, you know, like if you, if you had this on your bingo card, that was a running joke. And I just got it in my head that I've wanted to see if there was a bingo card gener- generator on the internet out there where I could do for Braves game bingo. I found one. And then I started thinking about all the running jokes and the memes out there. Uh, a lot of them are about the broadcast and, Ch- and Chip Carey and the broadcast crew. There's certainly some running jokes, you know, about like, you know, what Dansby does at the plate, what Duval does at the plate, Ronnie, Ozzy, you know, his Ozzy's helmet flying off, things like that. And I just created a pool of squares and I, ge- I generated the bingo card. And this was probably a week and a half ago and people have been really having fun with it. Uh, I get a lot of suggestions for squares, a lot of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, a, some of them are a little mean spirited. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Some people I'm like, I'm like, wow, that feels kind of mean to put that on there. That's, a, that's but, okay though. That's, that's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's, a, there's a little bit. Of, the idea behind it is that I wanted bingos to be difficult, but not impossible. So there's like some free squares, like broadcast broadcast complains about modern baseball. That's like a free, free that, square. that's going to happen every, every time. But like Adam Duvall strikeout looking brave score three times in one inning. Uh, as it turns out, those some of those have been a little bit harder. And so far, I think there's one bingo for sure. I I was not I was not around. I was watching a game. I was actually at the game on Friday. 
and I think there was a bingo for Friday as well. So only have had two so far, but it's actually been a lot of fun just people keeping up with it, uh, arguing about, you know, like, you know, was that really a two plan or was that really a bullpen collapse or things like that? It's just, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun just being able to talk about baseball in just kind of a fun sort of way while, you know, kind of, you know, especially, you know, during what's been a relatively rough start to the season, just kind of having people staying engaged. So it's been fun. It sounds like it might turn into something. Uh, Matt Chernoff uh, wants to kind of get involved. Maybe we can start giving out some uh, some gift cards or something. We're, we're kind of working out the details on how to make that work. But Love that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, get, get Matt on board to uh, spread the word a little bit. Uh, Matt's got a large a large reach. That'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, no, I thought it was cool. Obviously, uh, I uh, was not involved in that whatsoever. But uh, so I could just praise you unilaterally for your work on that. That was uh, it's good stuff. Okay. Before we get to the weekend series against Milwaukee and some broader takeaways from the week, including uh, a Spencer Strider discussion, which is coming up pretty soon, as well as uh, some other stuff that's not quite as fun, like Marcelo Zuna and a six-game deficit in the National League East. With all that coming, though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Eric, let us discuss quickly the weekend series against the Milwaukee Brewers, which the Braves lost on Friday and then won on Saturday and Sunday. Friday's game, while not a lot of fun in terms of the uh, the result, did spawn a lot of discussion about the pitching situation, and it was already going to. There was some speculation early in the week that you know what was going to happen on Friday with the starting pitcher because clearly it was either going to be Spencer Strider or it was going to be somebody um, like Waskari Nola could have come back up, et cetera. They had that open spot on Friday. What they chose to do was go with an opener and Jesse Chavez and, and then uh, using Strider as the bolt guy, which I, as soon as they announced Chavez, I, I did tweet this on, I'm not going to just say this in retrospect. I said this live. Um, as soon as that was announced, I was like, all right, this feels like a way to get to them kind of use Strider as a starter without actually starting him, which is what happened. Um, and because he was awesome in the game, which I'll let you talk about as well, four innings, four hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. He was brilliant. Um, a lot of questions after this, including from me and others uh, on Twitter about whether this is like maybe the plan now moving forward. Like, do you just use opener plus Strider as the quote unquote fifth starter now? Do you make Strider just a starter? Like they don't, they don't seem to like want to do that right now. I'm not sure why, but they haven't done it yet. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, uh, on that slot rotation? Because also as a wrinkle here, they don't actually need a fifth starter for like two weeks. So they don't have to make a decision right now, but it's uh, Strider has been good in the role and nothing else. Yeah, it sounds like the plan is just that they're willing to use Strider as a starter, if, at least in the short term, uh, but also use him out of the bullpen if they think he'd be useful. I, I'm i with you. I don't fundamentally understand why they wouldn't start, just put him in as the starter. Maybe they just wanted to stretch him out a little bit more because he's been kind of a two-inning guy 
and you don't necessarily want to like if you if you really want to run them out there for a while, you know, you kind of maybe want to build them up a little bit more than that. Um, I I understand. I think the general thought process and that is that you start the game with a guy with a very different pitching profile than the guy that you're going to be sitting on for your bulk innings right we saw this in the playoffs where we knew that Kyle Wright was going to be seeing significant innings and Dylan Lee was the opener now famously that also didn't work and Friday (laughs) did not work either but I I I genuinely like I do understand, like I, you have a guy like Jesse Chavez who, like for lack of a better term, is kind of a junk baller. You know, just kind of hits his spots, gets ground balls, and you know is relatively efficient. And this is not, um, there's no slander on Jesse Chavez. He's actually no. He, every time he's been with the Braves, he's actually been good. He's also he's been their good. opener. Like last year, people kind of forgot yeah. this. Like last year, he was the guy they used until Dylan Lee. Like it was Chavez at the end of the season that was the, that was a quote unquote opener. Like I think every time, or at least close to every time. And I don't understand that decision beyond the when you start a game with that type of pitcher it make it I could understandably see it would throw off guys timing to all of a sudden have a guy like Spencer Strider who's hitting 98 9900 miles an hour the next inning right but at the same time like those same hitters aren't facing Strider so it's if and if they know he's coming in then what advantage did you really gain from that I don't know if I fundamentally understand if you're going to have an opener, it feels like that you just played the best matchup possible. And I'm not sure if Jesse Chavez is ever going to be the answer to that question <laughs> uh, for the first three hitters. I mean, yeah. and again, not a knock on Chavez, but I mean, no. the Braves have a, a really good bullpen. But if you're, if you like, you know, why wouldn't it be Colin McHugh or why wouldn't it be, you know, Minter? If you, if you, yeah, Minter, if you have lefties or whatever, right? Uh, obviously, Matthew's not really an option right now because he's not pitching very well. Uh, and we'll kind of get to that later. But it's, you know, I don't know if I really understand why it's Chavez, especially since Chavez seems like a guy that, for example, if Strider wasn't pitching well, that he would be a guy that could throw multiple innings. <laughs> and right. you can't, and he can't do that in the opener role because he's literally just like, okay, you're throwing him out there for one inning and then you're like handing the ball to Strider. That's well, and, and maybe I, generously, maybe you could say if he had pitched well, they might've given him a second inning chavez because obviously he, he did not pitch well i mean on friday but I, I i'm with you I'm, I'm just saying like we don't know for a fact it was gonna be one inning i think it probably was going to be but that gives him some cover because he didn't pitch well like, like weirdly it's easier to explain what happened because he was bad like if he had been good yeah it would have been actually uh more difficult for stint to kind of explain and he's not giving a lot of details and i don't think i don't blame him for that i, I think the braves don't have to share anything about this if they don't want to yeah. um, i'm just curious to see what they're what they play because look, I mean, Strider has thrown now in the last five games he's thrown in, he has thrown at least three and a third innings and in four of the five. And the game he threw zero innings in because he got rocked. So, like, he's been a three plus inning guy basically every time out for a calendar month now. And I wonder, um, and obviously he threw four innings, never more than 70 pitches or so. So, like, maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's a ceiling. I'm not sure if it's a stretch out thing or whatever. I, I'm just curious on the philosophy of using him in that bulk role versus starting him because look and this has been a discussion too sort of a separate one i know um our first leader chris willis is actually on the keep him in the bullpen side of this which i don't think is a bad idea um i I generally as as i've said forever on this podcast if a guy can start i want him to start and see if it works it's kind of the same thing with with tukey and i think tukey's kind of proven he can't now but like for me, you have to have a guy try to be a starter. And it wasn't like Strider was drafted or utilized in the minors as only a reliever. This is not a mentor situation where he was obviously always going to be a reliever. Strider, yeah, Strider was, was a starter. Start, 
all the way through until his time in Gwinnett. Right. So <laughs> all, it's all, not, two, all two appearances of it. Exactly. So it's like, they're not, let's just, we just married to him as a reliever in that way. So uh, for me, I'm not upset right now. I think it's totally fine to use him in this role. I just don't know if this is like the maximization of what he can be, but if it's four innings, it's a little bit easier to see. And I don't know what the plan is. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pinhole him as a reliever. That's that's all I will say about it is that I don't think that there's a reason to only make him a reliever. And I think when, when a guy throws this many innings, I mean, people are talking about him as like, as in like the Josh Hader role, which might be his ultimate destiny. Maybe he's just awesome like that, but Hader was not throwing three and a third innings and four innings at a time. He's been a multi-inning sure. guy. Yes. But he's guys in that role don't throw three two thirds innings in competitive games. And also the weird thing for me is short of this start, I said start short of this performance on Friday, they've kind of used him in mop-up duty. Like he's thrown these innings and like when they were trailing and he like his finish, he finished what two games Yeah, he finished, he actually finished two games in a row, uh, two games out of three that he pitched throwing the last three and two thirds innings while trailing, which isn't like, it wasn't total mop up duty. They were only down by like one or two runs, but that's not, that's not a, that's, that's not Josh Hader role. That's like a weird, not quite Josh Tomlin-esque long relief role, but it's also kind of like a hybrid. I'm not sure what it is, to be honest. It's, it's strange. Yeah. The, the, it's clear that the Braves have, I mean, like, cause again, they, it's like they've, they've done this sort of type of opener situation before and how they've handled bolt guys before. It was fascinating to me. Like, for example, during the double header on Tuesday, where everyone was like really concerned about how the bullpen was going to look coming out of that. Do you know how many pitchers they use total in the doubleheader? Uh, not that many. Yeah. Four. That makes sense. And like, like, and again, like it's the, how the bullpen has been used so far has been kind of fascinating in a lot of ways. Like, you know, like Will Smith was in today's game. And now I understand that because they have a day off and it doesn't matter, but you know, like they want like when they feel like they need to get guys, their opportunities, regardless of the game up, what the game looks like, they're going to get the guy that works it get the guys their work in and you know it it hasn't always matched up the situation now it hasn't i don't think mattered a whole lot this year with some notable exceptions where you know like sean newcomb was in games so he had no business being in but beyond that how they're managing guys and how their usage is it feels like there's a plan and it's not really easy to parse what that plan <laughs> is in a lot of ways but yeah. I, I, and I like even what the, for example, what they did with Chavez and Striders, I don't think is necessarily bad. It's mean other than the fact that Chavez pitched a bit poorly, but that's not a problem with the plan. That's the problem with like Chavez couldn't get anyone out, you know, right? And he got beat up. And that adds I, to the intrigue that he was bad. So and, I don't know. And, and maybe, and maybe him being in the game did make like put Strider in a better position in the lineup to be successful. And he was, I mean, he was lights out on Friday. He was awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Unfortunately, I, I, Tyler Matzik was not. Yeah. That's true. And, uh, I'll let you talk about him in a second too, but um, before we leave this, what would you, I mean, the next time they need a fifth starter is not for a while. Like I said before, maybe they'll keep guys on schedule and maybe give guys a day off or whatever. We're not sure. Um, but if they, if they don't want to use a fifth starter for a while, they don't have to. Um, but when that, when that day comes or even moving forward from here, like what would you do if you were in charge? Would you just make Strider the fifth starter? Would you stay with the opener plus Strider? Would you give, you know, another shot, like, where are you at on terms of like the fifth starter role right now? Because eventually they have to kind of choose a plan there. I'd be going with Strider. Uh, I've been pretty famously low on, you know, uh, I yeah. think he's a reliever. I don't think he, I mean, I, I don't even think he's a high leverage reliever. I think he's a long guy that could be good against righties. I don't think he's like a guy that I want in the eighth inning in a really important spot because, you know, he's a fastball slider guy and if he doesn't have the command, I mean, he's going to give up four runs in that inning, right? So, like, I'm not, he's, he's not really my guy. 
Uh, I know that there's certainly people that have seen him good uh, for that, you know, one half in, you know, last year uh, and, you know, maybe a couple starts in the minor leagues, but, you know, I've seen enough inconsistency out of him over the years. That's just not really my guy. I'd be going with Strider. I like the upside. I think he can start, you know, even if he's only a guy who can go five innings, even if he's only, you know, like a McCullers type or, you know, you know, even again, like, you know, what McHugh's been his in his career and things like that, where he can give you spot starts and then maybe be kind of a, a three inning guy, things like that. I would rather be doing that than either. Than, and I would also be building in some days off if I have some guys struggling, like for example, giving Charlie Morton, uh, an, an older Charlie Morton, an extra day off here and there. It doesn't seem like the worst idea in the world. Giving Max Freed extra rest where he's, you know, it's seemingly done well for him. I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing either, rather than trying to shorten your, your rotation. Um, it seems like that they, I mean, he's obviously can pitch at this level. I don't think anyone's confused by that. So I, I think that if it was me, I'd be trying out Strider and seeing kind of if you can build him up more. And if he's a guy who, you know, if his, if his limit is, seven, is 70 pitches, there's still a lot of use you can get out of that guy, but trying to figure out exactly what you can get out of him as a starter in the major leagues is where I'd be kind of starting that process. And, you know, cause I don't think that there's going to be very often where he's going to embarrass you out there doing in that role. It would be pretty, it's pretty apparent when, you know, the fastball is not hitting 98 anymore and it's more in that 96 range and he starts getting gassed and you just can't throw it that hard anymore that maybe you need to get someone up in the bullpen and the Braves have enough options where I think they can allow that to happen. Yeah, I would do it as well. Um, I won't be enraged if they don't do it next time, but I think that's what I would do if you made me choose. And um, while he is walking a lot of guys, Strider is, he has uh, 24 strikeouts and 16 and two thirds innings. So if you do that, walks don't beat you up as much as, as they would if you were. Yeah, and there's, that, there, 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 there's definitely come in bunches, right? I mean, he didn't walk anyone on Friday. You know, when he when he's when he's been rough, he's been rough, right? But you know, it's you know. Well, yeah, he, he had the one absolute disaster game against Miami where he just like completely got blown off the mound, didn't even get an out. But aside from that, he's been uh, incredible. So we'll see. Small sample size, all that stuff. But uh, I've enjoyed the Strider experience to this point. Um, from there, the rest of the weekend, obviously, Max Fried, awesome again on Saturday. Um, his last four starts have been incredible, a 1.38 ERA. And uh, courtesy of Mark Bowman, who had this stat, um, all four times that he's pitched in those last four starts have come after a day the Braves lost, and they won all four games. So basically, he's been the traditional stopper in those four games. Um, obviously, Max Fried's really good. I have, nothing else, I have nothing else to really add about that. Max Fried's awesome. Um Beyond that, uh, some great defense on Saturday. Uh, Travis Demerritt had a heck of a catch. Uh, Daisy Swanson had a couple of great plays, including uh, part of the strike him out, throw him out, double play to end the game. What are the odds of a Travis Darno uh, throw out to end the, to end, of a, end the game, Eric? <laughs> he is among the league leaders in caught stealing. He, yeah, I will say to that, his credit, that this year it's my to, mind. Yeah, this year it's gone pretty well actually for Darno, uh, and we love Darno. As we're, I'm just, if you're a new listener, you might not know this. We are very pro Darno on this podcast. Always have been, but uh, he is not good not, traditionally not, at that. Not, <laughs> I, was about to say, I was about to say not so much pro Travis Darno run defense, correct? <laughs> but uh, but you know pro Darno everything else. He he does a good job managing the pitching staff, and he you know that was a, that was a wild one though. The end of that game was crazy. Obviously, it worked out well for the Braves, but. Uh, a memorable ending to a game that uh, not that it was like super quiet before that. There were lots of he- headline grabbing plays, the Ronald Acuna home run, et cetera, but uh, pretty, um, pretty crazy ending. Well, yeah. And, you know, give, give credit to Dansby there. I mean, cause that, that ball was bounced to second. Oh, no. Great play that was him. a really, really good tag. Uh, and, you know, Travis, Travis Demerit making that catch, uh, that diving catch to, on a bloop that 
you know, if it had happened the first three weeks of the season, that, that ball, that ball would have not only dropped, it would have like gotten trapped under demerit and like trapped in his clothes somewhere and would have gone for an inside the park home run. So, um, you know, the, the highlights for me from like, you know, Friday and Saturday, I was on tan for uh, Ronnie hitting the home run. I almost had a stroke when I saw him fall down after he hit it. Cause I saw the ball in flight and I knew it was, you know, headed for orbit. And I look at home plate and he's, he's, on, he's, the on, the, he's, on, he's on the ground, right? It's not and great. And I was like, Oh no. And, um, but you know, that, that was great. And seeing him home ringing again, it just, again, it kind of reinforced in my mind that it really felt like that he was in a really good spot at the plate, which, you know, after that long of a layoff, I mean, like he had a few games where he wasn't like completely up to speed, but he's still hitting the ball hard and doing stuff on the Bates paths. He's stealing bases. He's just, he's been going wild. You know, it's, that's what the Braves need is every time he's on base he, at the plate, he's bound to do something awesome. You know, even if he just draws a walk, like the fact that he's the, running like this already is, is pretty yes. crazy. I mean, to be, for him to be still in base is like kind of at will right now, fresh off the injury. Uh, I know he's, you know, he, he's running, he's kind of a freak, but man, him running like this is not what I expected. Yeah. I'll, I'll well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that from the, today's game. Cause like, honestly, like the stealing bases and stuff, you know, if like you get good jumps, maybe you don't need to be on full speed, but he like had an infield hit the other day where like he was like his sprint speed was 30.5, which is insane Busty. for a guy who's come, is a same for a guy who's coming off a knee injury. And I, I don't want to get too much into kind of what happened on Sunday because we haven't gotten to that game yet, but I, I do want to talk a little bit here about Matzik before we kind of get into all that. Because yeah. There will not be any slander of Tyler Matzik out of my mouth until the end of time. He could <laughs> have a career eight ERA the rest of the way. And I will still hold him in very high regard uh, for that postseason run last year. But there's very clearly something that's not right. with him. You know, this is a guy that was hitting 98, 99 miles an hour in the postseason. We're typically used to seeing him 96, 97 uh, at the very least. Today, he threw 20 pitches in what was a pretty rough inning, and he had worse. The, the, the one on Friday wasn't necessarily his fault because it was a bunch of ground balls that, like, never left the infield and somehow four runs gave, got given up thanks to errors and just, like, you know, balls just being placed in exactly, you know, the wrong spot. But he still was not throwing particularly hard. You know, wasn't missing bats, obviously. He's not striking out guys. And he threw 20 pitches in his inning today, and only one of them – was north of 95 miles an hour it was 95.4 yeah that's, and, and, and no strike no, right. no strikeouts and even for the season now i think he yeah he has almost as many walks as strikeouts for the season he has eight walks and nine strikeouts in nine two thirds and the strikeout numbers are, are fine-ish but like he does not look, look like himself metrically you, you look a step lower than that the stat cast metrics it does not look like tyler magic from last year um and it, you know for two years obviously two years in a row he was uh, fantastic so We'll see if he's hurt or just having a slow start, or maybe he just needed uh, didn't have the greatest offseason or whatever. But like, you know, it has not been the same guy. No question about that. And we'll we'll see if he can fix it. But I agree. Like watching him today, even just casually without anything in front of me, I was just watching. I'm not even looking at my computer during that during that inning today. And it's like, all right, he does not look like he needs to look. Um, and I'm with you. Like, no piling on Tyler Matzik. But in terms of like being a little bit concerned, I am a little bit concerned about what we're seeing. Um, not that you know. It's worth noting that even last year, he has a high walk rate. Like, he's never been a great control guy, but his stuff plays up so much that it doesn't matter necessarily. And this year, his stuff's not playing up like that. So that's the concern. Yeah, and again, there's, you know, every, you can have your tinfoil hat 
you know, conspiracies about that too, is whether or not the new ball is, you know, messing him up, but I don't think it's making him throw less hard. That that's the problem. No, that's not you great. Know, yeah, for sure. Not, 97 in the strike zone is a little bit different than 94. It is. Um, okay. Uh, other than that, I mean, your guy, William Contreras has three home runs and 10 plate appearances uh, at one point, uh, at least going back yep, every, today I, earlier. Yep. Yep. He's Everyone was telling me he was terrible. Yep. He can hit the baseball, it seems. Uh, oh, this is a question I wanted to ask. Somebody asked me this, and I, I forgot to write it down, so my apologies. But um, how do you feel about, particularly when Ronnie is uh, more like playing every day in the outfield kind of, um, do you think that they should consider maybe DHing Darno sometimes when he's not catching? Because he's been, he's well, been hitting. Can, 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 I, I would certainly consider it will never happen with a Brian Snitker managed team. I agree. Because you, it, it will zero happen. I agree. Zero chance it happens. Like I, we have seen him pinch hits, like guys who have had two hits in the major leagues in their entire <laughs> 12 year careers over the second catcher on a roster. You're not he wrong. Will never, he will never do it. Like we, we've seen them carry third catchers on postseason rosters with that, like zero chance unless one of those catchers dropped dead then it's never going to happen. So And there you I, have it. <laughs> would, I, would I do it? Yes. I would consider it for sure. I mean, I'm not saying, yeah. especially early in the year, um, when Ronnie was out, I would have even I would even more considered it. Um, now that he's playing, it's a little bit tougher because of the guy we'll talk about in a second, Marcelo Zuna. Um, but uh, I think it's not a crazy idea. I, I would be more open to it. I think you would be too. I agree with you though on, on this manager is not likely to do that, um, which is definitely worth pointing out. But okay. Um, yeah, I don't, so... Did you see this Ronald Acuna play when he scored from first? I, 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 I did. I did, Eric. But uh, if you want to explain it, please do. Because I'm sure people did not necessarily. It's Mother's Day. People probably didn't see the game all the way through, et cetera. So please explain. So Ronald Acuna Jr. is on first base. And Matt Olson comes up. And he hits this opposite field flare to left field. And it's certainly closer to the shortstop than where the left fielder was set up. It was not really shallow fly ball. Just dropped down. I'm like, oh, cool. That's going to score at least one run because there's a runner on third. And then the announcer starts saying, and there goes Ronnie. He's going to try to score. And I could not believe that sprint speed of like 29.5 or something like that. He like, it was, it was with two outs. So he was already running because, you know, no matter what, you know, he was going to be, you know, he should be going, but I don't want to hear anyone talking about Ron Acuna Jr. not hustling at every available opportunity because with two outs on a flare that honestly probably should have been caught, it just kind of got put placed in the exact right spot. He was running hard enough on a shallow pop-up quote-unquote double that he scored from first, and it wasn't particularly close. I think a good throw, he still would have gotten, he was still would have beaten, and it wasn't a particularly great throw because he had to turn so fast to try to get him. It was, it was, it's unbelievable seeing what he can do and what he does to this offense because he's constantly just putting like, you know, the first inning he gets a single and then he steals second immediately. And all of a sudden the guys, the Braves have a runner in scoring position and, you know, anything short of a ground ball to the pitcher has a, has a shot of scoring. So it's what he does for this team's offense, what it does to the other team to have to like manage him regardless of what the situation is. I mean, you can't make a mistake to him or he's going to park at 440 feet. And if you let him on base, he's just going to cause havoc. And like, that was a prime example of that. It's just a ball that just any sane human being would not even thought of trying to, <laughs> trying to score on. And he was, he was thinking it the whole way. Oh yeah. That, that's why he was able to, able, able to score. He knew it the whole time. He was, he was trying to do that. 
off the bat, which is just wild. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, it was, it was a wild play. Um, and they comment on the broadcast, I'm like, you know, the uh, one of the softest hit, maybe worst hit doubles of Matt Olson's career. <laughs> And Robbie and Ryan scores yeah. first. Yep. Uh, just kind of crazy stuff all the way around. And he's, he's an alien in a lot of ways and nice to have him on your team. That's for sure. Um, we'll take a, step, yeah, take a step back now before we get out of here, talk about some big picture stuff quickly here. Uh, there was a piece that was written by our friend Ivan at uh, battery power. This week that was actually awesome about the baseball. I am not smart to just talk about that in, uh, in detail, but Ivan is. So that's definitely out there. And he talks about how the Braves have been underperforming their peripherals this year, which I think we all know there's been lots of comments from you and me and other people about how the Braves are being a little bit unlucky at the plate. Um, still though, the team as of right now has a 99 WRC plus. Um, that's not going to be good enough for this team. They are kind of built around their power and they're slugging less than 400 as a team. Um, it is worth noting, and I tweeted this actually earlier this week, like the league-wide slugging percentage is way down this year. Um, yep. So keep that in mind. But the, the team last year slugged 435, and now it's like 390. And that's a pretty significant drop-off. You can see it in, in the individual numbers. Basically, everyone short of Olsen, uh, Riley, Albies, and Darno is not doing their power job. Um, other guys have had some nice moments, like Dansby's had some better moments recently. He's been pretty good at the plate for a couple of weeks now. Um, even Arcia has some nice batting average stuff. But like power-wise, there's not a whole lot going on outside of those top guys. And I wonder uh, what you think about that. And also I want to talk about Azuna, which uh, he is going to be a problem if this continues because basically the long and short of it so far, we'll come back to this, is that Ozuna has been uh, a pre- unimpressive hitter for the last two seasons. Now, granted, it's a small sample size because he didn't play much last year, but basically in about a half season, like 80-ish games worth of work, he has a 75 WRC plus. And that's really bad for a guy who has to hit because as we all know in detail, that's all he can do. Like Ozuna is not someone you can, like with Dansby, he can be an effective-ish player without hitting because he's a great defender and he can run. Um, Marcel Ozuna cannot run and it's, not, and it's not an effective defender. So uh, I said a lot there, Eric, but uh, what do you make of this like whole offense thing? Because obviously they had two good games in the last four where they scored nine runs, but on the whole, it would be fair to say the offense has been underwhelming so far. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been some inconsistent guys to start. Like, we'll, we'll start with those guys. Like, Ozzy is famously kind of hot and cold. He's he kind is. of in a uh, – and then he's kind of in one of those, you know, dips right now. You know, Austin Riley can be a bit streaky too. I'm not necessarily worried about those guys. I think that those guys have the track record of, of, of it averaging out. Um, it's no, it's noteworthy for you to. Yeah. Again, he's, you know, he, he's homered this week. Uh, hit that ringing double that brought in Oz, uh, Ronald well, from first today. But, it's it's uh, so funny. Like they're even online. I'm not sure if you see this too, but like there's this, I'm not sure who's saying it or who, how, how, how loud it actually is, but there's a little bit of buzz. Like, Oh, Olsen's kind of unimpressive. And you look up, and he has uh, a 138 WRC plus and slugging 455. And like, he's been like good by any objective measure so far. Like he's not been absolutely incredible, but this would currently be his second best season, basically in the major leagues if it continues. Folks, so he's, he's fine. Folks, look, those are the folks that just have safe searches for Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson baseball reference searches. And they're just checking every day, you know, waiting to be able to jump on, uh, you know, the Braves made a mistake. Bring back Freddie, blah, blah, blah. I'm if not, the I'm season not, ended I'm today, Matt Olson would have his highest career on base percentage. So. Yep, yep. Anyway, uh, <laughs> move, move right along. Matt Olson is very good at baseball. I'm not worried about him. Ozuna's an interesting case, and the, offense, and the offenses 
struggles are interesting because you mentioned that they slugged 435 last year. That was with the pitcher hitting. Uh, yeah, and also, and, <laughs> and also that was also with the first, you know, two thirds of the season. You know, they didn't have guys like Rosario and Soler on the roster. Remember that famously, they were pretty bad for four months last year, and yep. that include that includes that and the pitcher. So yeah, that's not what you want. So that that's pretty rough. Uh, when you have a DH that is one of your worst hitters on the team right now, and that is just what Ozuna has been. I think he has two hits in his past nine games. He yeah, he actually started out very well. That's that's the thing that's also yeah. worth noting is like he had a really good start of the season. So it's not like he's just been bad all year. He's actually just been worse than that recently because he had a good start. I, I want to say I'm looking at him now as we we'll talk, but um, his first like two weeks were like really good actually. So since then, there's a, a, a lot of weekly hit ground balls uh, by him. And not drawn like you know, he drew the walk today, but he just the uncompetitive at bats. Uh, I'm not going to hold the one that Laz Diaz did to him uh, earlier. Uh, that was oh, Ozuna. Uh, that, that actually that, made that, na- that, that made national news. National Ozuna news. gave it the first called strike. Uh, I'm not going to try. To, I'm not going to go back and harp on it again. There was a, the first strike was a bad one. Ozuna looked back on him. I guarantee you, Laz decided in that moment that Marcelo Ozuna was striking out and then at bat. I mean, it, when you strike when you strike out without actually seeing a strike and you don't swing any three pitches, that doesn't usually happen. Um, oh, by the way, while we're here, I have the numbers from uh, since April 18th. Uh, Marcel is 11 of 74. Um, very bad. Coming into today, um, this does not include today. What, what, by the way, he went over four, so this number actually went down. His last 18 games before today, he had a uh, 399 OPS. Not, o- not OBP or slugging, a 399 OPS, and it went down today. So he is a, uh, for like, I don't know, three weeks now. Granted, three weeks, I'm not going to like panic that much about that. But again, last year wasn't good either. So it's not like this is a total fluke. And I'm not panicking too much about it. But again, he's going to play until he just cannot be playing because he's making a lot of money um, for, by the way, two years after this. Um, but you know, you could sort of squint and see the hard hit rates pretty high, but there have been some pretty ugly plate appearances and also his career worst walk rate right now. He's not even, he's not even taking, he's not even taking walks. Yeah. I mean, he's always been a guy who's been a bad ball hitter, you know, hit, slinging at balls outside the zone and doing something with him. What he's doing right now is he's not doing anything with him. He's just hitting weak. Well, he he hits time. the ball hard. That's, 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 that's his calling. I mean, even when he was not having some sort of down seasons with Miami, like his, he is always, no matter what been a guy who hit the ball really hard and he's had a little bit of that this year but not as much like when he's had a bad season obviously everything came together in perfect fashion we all knew this was going to be the case in 2020 he had the incredible season where he just had he, he could basically do no wrong that was an outlier but let's say like in st louis where he was not like a superstar player but he was still like in the top you know 10 20 percentile in hard hit rate he took walks especially his last year in st louis and Last year, he took walks, just didn't hit the ball very well. And then this year, the walks have evaporated. The strikeout rate's actually down a little bit, which is a little bit weird. But he's just not doing really anything well the last three weeks or four weeks now. So uh, it's a little bit concerning. Yeah, I'm at the point where I, I know the Braves have to play him. I, I, I know that. and He's know, going to play. I, I, have, I said my piece about that before the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, leaving, I'm leaving it alone. Play. We're talking, we're talking but, about baseball. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't think you can bat him clean up anymore. I, I actually, uh, this is, I'm not going to, I won't tell you who it is on the show. I'll, I might tell you afterwards. I got a text from someone who is, uh, I don't know, uh, affiliated with the organization, we'll say, close to the organization. Basically today that was like, 
you know, he's going to have to play, but he can't hit cleanup anymore. And so it's literally exactly what you just said, uh, which I thought was funny, but uh, it's right. I mean, I don't know if that's just like a, you know, Snickers really good at this kind of stuff, just for the record. He's really good at handling personalities and things. So we'll see. But uh, his production, again, for about 80 games now, no one with like that guy was uh, getting cleanup. And granted, they don't have great options there either. Um, that's the kind of sticking point there. They don't have this great uh, power hitting option to put in that spot in place of him. But, uh, you know, his it's a little bit concerning. Like, he's going to play, but maybe you got to drop him for a while. Look, look this, this same organization batted Travis Darno cleanup for most of the 2020 season. I, they have options on that roster that are better than what Ozuna is. Oh, right they, they have uh, – you, 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 you know better, what I mean, though. They, they have a clear yeah, top yeah. three guys, and then Ozuna's sure, supposed to be the sure. fourth guy. I mean, that's, that's the thing about this, about this roster right now. Um, they have some guys who can hit, clearly, like, you know, we all are Adam Duvall fans on this podcast, um, for instance. Darno, we like quite a bit. But, like, there is a gap between the Riley, uh, Olsen, Ozzy trio and everybody else. And, and Ron, Ronnie. You and Ron, and Ronnie. And opposite Ronnie. So, yeah, the top four, I should say. And Ozzy is, like, a weird instance because, like, he's not really a top-of-the-order hitter, but the powers, all that stuff. I'm saying, though, like, there's supposed to be a gap there, and it was really supposed to be either in the top tier or in his own tier. And right now he's in the bottom tier. If that makes sense. Like they're, they're paying him to hit and he's not hitting. So I don't know what you do. Like maybe it's just like you hit Ozzy a little bit higher and pray he, he comes out of it. But right now they have the four guys and then Darno has been their fifth best hitter pretty clearly this year, but like he's a catcher. He's not going to play every day. So it's, it's kind of a weird situation. Like how far can you drop him? Do you drop him to sixth? I don't know. Does this matter that much? Probably not, but like, it's just kind of a weird situation. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's it, and again, we're there's just some recency bias here, but just a lot of innings with runners on and with Marcelo's in the at bats. Uh, it's it's when you have your best hitters, you know, staring, hoping that something happens, and it's just not happening. You know, you have to at least have put yourself in a little bit better, better situation, right? So, you know, maybe that's Darno, maybe that's Ozzy, maybe that's even <laughs> even that's someone like Dansby. I don't know if I necessarily trust Duvall right now because you know. It's hot and cold, as, 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 as usual. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like the the one the version that hits two forty a little better than the one that hits well, one eighty or less. And you know yeah. this as well as anybody. The thing about Adam Duvall is that this is what Adam Duvall does. So what you have he, to do and, with and, Adam and, Duvall is just play him until he comes out of it. Um, yeah, for for one month he is going to be Babe Ruth. I couldn't well, tell you he, what month that's going to yeah. be. And he's also a good defender. And that's the thing about this outfield is we talked about ad nauseum this year. The defense has been so terrible in the outfield. He's been the only guy, obviously Ronnie being back now. Helps and, that too. He's, and he, yeah, he's been really good out there. actually. Yeah, he's been good. I mean, it helps to have Demerit who's flying around. And we, he's using his uh, athleticism a little bit out there. He had a nice play this week, but um, as covered exhaustingly last week, they've had some dire defense out there. So just having Duvall catch the ball has been very helpful, but yeah, he's due for a good breakout. You know, he does have, he does have hits. And I think like, four of the last five or three of the last four or whatever it is. He's been a little bit better recently, but um, he'll, he has to be, he'll have, he'll have to be better. Obviously we're, we're, we're very sort of in the tank for Duvall, but I, I think everyone would raise their hand and say, he's not, he's not, he's not a good at the, at the plate this year. So, um, all right, Eric, well, we've covered a lot of ground. I do want to just mention before we talk about this week quickly coming up um, at the end of today, they are six games behind the Mets, um, which is not a huge deal. Um, we're not going to do a ton of standings talk on the show until later in the season, but you know, it's worth noting that down six is significant. Like they're not down two. you know, having being, being down six games after a month 
is not where anybody wanted to be. Now, they're still in totally fine shape. The Mets have been a little bit overperforming in my mind, a little bit. They won again today. Um, but that kind of hangs over things. They have some opportunities in the future, to be sure. In fact, it's kind of a weird week coming up. For the record, they only have five games this week, and they have no travel. Uh, this never happens. At least, I mean, I'm sure it has happened. But they were at home this weekend. They have Monday off, then a two-game series. They have Thursday off, then a three-game series at home. So they basically have two off days in four days with no travel. That doesn't usually happen. And I'm sure guys are thrilled about that, but um, a weird situation there. And maybe a time to get a little bit healthier, maybe get a little bit more rejuvenated, a little bit more, more rest and go out and win four out of five this week. We'll see, but it's some winnable games against Boston and San Diego too. Yeah. It's not a Boston team. That's not playing particularly well. And a San Diego team that is significantly less scary than when it has uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. in the lineup. So they're, they're like playing pretty decently. The Padres are this year. Like they're not like they're playing better than the Red Sox for sure. But certainly not at home, you would think that the Braves are uh, not underdogs against the Padres. Most of the time, especially with those off days, right? I mean, you know, you're well-rested, yeah. you can line up whoever you need. And to you're good up. pitchers pitching. Yeah. Yep. You would think. Yep. They've already announced, I believe. Yeah. They already announced Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday is going to be Kyle Wright. And then Wednesday will be Ian Anderson. They uh, you, you would assume it'll be freed on Friday and Morton on Saturday. And then back to right on Sunday. So like, they can go for this week with only their four pitchers that they trust. So we'll see. Yeah, or just run Strider out there. Just let it ride. Let it, let him eat. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, I mean, you, you know, I, Snicker I doesn't see. doesn't mind giving guys extra extra days off. So we'll see. But uh, oh, so also just for the record, I'm looking way far ahead here. But Friday night, um, if it all holds, is supposed to be uh, Darvish and Freed, which would be fun. That's gonna, that's that's gonna, that's going to be quite the matchup. Are you prepared for the uh, for the backlash though over the weekend? This is the last thing we'll say. But uh, Friday night's game is the Apple TV Plus exclusive. Oh Eric. God! And also, and also beyond that, Sunday's game is the eleven thirty a.m. Peacock exclusive. So two out of three days, the Braves have national TV exclusive windows uh, on streaming services, and the people uh, you know, Braves fans, you'll we will definitely have people complaining that they cannot find the games on Friday and Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I will say to those people that you're not trying hard enough to find illegal streams if you're really desperately wanting to watch. Well, and honestly, that uh, this is not, you know, people probably know this, but um, Apple TV is not charging for those games yet. So even if you don't have Apple TV Plus, you can actually get those games for free. Um, PSA there. Uh, Peacock, I think, is like very minimally charging for their service at this point in time, but you could probably find that somewhere if you want to and you want to work hard. And like Eric just said, I will not advertise um, no, strings, I, I do not i'm not saying you should do that <laughs> but i'm you just could. saying that if you are complaining <laughs> then you are not trying hard enough but it, it's definitely a tough weekend uh, you know obviously there's also the never-ending uh complaint about um Bally not being on streaming services uh on the youtube tv services as well so a tough one for braves fans but five games oh, yeah, and it's only gonna get better and better too with the their streaming service and all that nonsense it's not gonna get any better yeah the way they're so trying to do things five games in seven days all at home Maybe you go to the ballpark this week. It wouldn't be, the, wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, there's some weather. It's supposed to be pretty decent this week, et cetera. So we will see. But uh, a couple of interesting matchups. I think you'll always get some national coverage when the Red Sox come to town. They're not playing well, but um, an opportunity to see Kyle Wright and uh, wh- whoever else. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Right. Baseline expectations. You, you can't, I mean, again, it's too early for too much of this, like, you know, specific stuff. But uh, this is a week where you have a favorable schedule. So go out and win more than you lose again this week and uh, get it rolling a little bit. Yeah, they absolutely need to, especially with the first month that was 
honestly lined up incredibly favorably for them and they did not take advantage of it. They don't, they, they little spots where they can make up ground, like you, you, your biggest gimme, you, you, they bungled. So now they need to kind of get back on track. They do. Um, and also uh, the Mets, I believe have the Nats. Yeah. The, the Mets, the Mets play the nationals and the Mariners this week. So uh, not the, I mean, the Mariner, Mariners aren't bad, but the, they're the, frisky, but that series is in New York anyway. And, and then, and the nationals are terrible. Yes, they are. Uh, it's truly for all that, but I want to set the tone a little bit at the end of the podcast. And as always bringing things full circle, you will be hearing from Sean Coleman during the week about some uh, game stuff, game recaps, uh, what's to come. I will remind Sean personally that uh, about those uh, weird streaming, streaming games on Friday and Sunday. And again, Friday night, Apple TV Plus exclusive. You, you will not be able to find the game on Bally, so don't, don't even try. And then Sunday morning, 11.30, first pitch, 11.30 a.m. Well, just when I want to watch baseball. Honestly, I'm fine with that. But, you know, I know a lot of people, they would prefer to, you know, actually in, be able to settle in for an evening and watch baseball. I think, I'm, I think I might make the call to be able to go to, go to that game. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, thank you for joining me, Eric, on the podcast. As always. We've gone very long. I, I just realized we were over an hour, so uh, – Apologies to everyone for going I, a little bit long today, but hey, here we are. The, the, the people, the people love you and I talking to each other. I, I haven't even do. made fun of you all that much. You uh, know, all, like, all that much. About it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> listen, <laughs> so uh, the lowest of bars. The Hawks aren't playing right now, so uh, it's a little bit easier for me to go a little bit longer on the show. Um, but yeah, Eric, I really do appreciate all of your all of your service doing this podcast. Um, please plug anything else. I know we, we did a lot earlier in the podcast about what's going on, but if you read anything or whatever, I know we have lots of written content at batterypower.com that's certainly worth reading but uh please share everything that you'd like to if, if you want to and also your fine twitter feed for people that don't, don't already follow it if you would like to follow me on twitter you can follow me at leprechaun with a k yeah, lots of minor league and major league talk on there as well as all the bingo action you could possibly want uh <laughs> beyond that i'm not going to do any other repeat plugs but i will say over the next month or month and a half uh lots of draft coverage is coming we're already gearing up for it starting to hear names that the braves are in on starting to think about you know what draft strategies could be in place so make sure you check that out the draft is uh july 17th i believe something like that mid mid july yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah circle yep. that we're getting there two months away or so uh in the middle of that the, the nba draft is in june so i'm gonna be doing all that stuff but uh since you plug yourself i will do the quick my twitter handle is at bt roland um it is usually a lot of basketball and there's some basketball but i'm trying to do more baseball now the hawks are not playing so Every once in a while, I will uh, fire away on some baseball takes or whatever. Um, but he, follow... want, he wants he wants your Aussie trade proposals. Make sure you I, I do not want those. Uh, please follow the the show and the entire website at Battery Power SBN. And uh, one more time, it really does help us a lot if you subscribe to the podcast on multiple platforms. Honestly, if you want to just support the show, best way to do that is to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, wherever you like to get, get podcasts. We should definitely be there and uh, leave five-star reviews and all that stuff. Please share it with your friends as well. And one thing we have not said yet, and I'm bad about plugging this, we also have Battery Power TV on YouTube. Grant McCauley, yep, yep. Corey McCartney, those guys do a great job. Check that out as well. We have all kinds of stuff going on at Battery Power. One more time, thank you, Eric, for joining me today. And we'll see you guys uh, very soon, at least for us, but I'm, I'm confident you'll hear from Eric in the next like 48 hours. So please subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next time.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.